All right, sending Helgeson a confusing DM and sent. And we have James Brown, love, power, peace. And what's your pick for me? I'm actually not familiar with that album, but I haven't heard anything by James Brown. I haven't liked, so I'm, I'm excited about it. And, you know, should be good, should be funky. Oh, boy. It's an album called Illmatic from... And this is a bad sign. It's Nas, right? Nas? Did he do the It's Getting Hot in Here song? Hang on, let's see. That was Nelly. Oh boy, this is gonna be a rough go. All right, good pick, Helgeson, good pick. Welcome to Min Tracks, the brand new podcast from the Min Max Podcast Network. Do you call it that? I don't know. I guess we have to start now. <laughs> sure, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. The Min Max Podcast Network, I just made that up. It's the dueling album review show about expanding your musical horizons. Basically, the idea is that um, each week, Myself, I'm Matt Helgeson, the host. Um, you may remember me from Game Informer, the Game Informer podcast, and a guest, in this case, Ben Hansen, the uh, Svengali of the MinMax Podcast Network. I just put some mics in my basement, Helgeson. Okay. Actually, <laughs> 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 Svengali. Yeah. And also uh, our co-host and producer, Jason Daphnis. Thank you very much you, for you, having you've me. You've been on the podcast. I have been on our introductory episode, yes. That's right. But have you been on the regular show? No. Oh, Ben. I'm sorry. That's, at that's some awkward. Point, I just made this we're awkward. We're an audio podcast, but okay. uh, daggers are out. But you're anyway. a former Game Informer intern. Former Game Informer yes. intern, current podcast host, it's and part marketing of the writer, larger ex-Game Informer posse, let's say, if, that's that, right. if that's a thing. The, I'm um, making up a lot of organizations now. <laughs> Networks, posses. Um, but anyway, basically the idea, we wanted to have a podcast about music. Um, we thought it would be fun if we kind of had different people select music for the other person. So basically each week I'll, I selected an album, told Ben to listen to it. Ben selected an album, told me to listen to it. And we've been listening for about the last week or so Then we're going to have our observations and kind of discuss it. The idea being to just, you know, like as, as we said, expand our musical horizons, also maybe foster, you know, some conversations, get each other out of our comfort zone. Sometimes you might be, you know, something you've never heard of. It might be something you're very familiar with, but I think that can be kind of fun. Man, I was so worried about what you're going to pick for me. I had no idea because I was, I was cooking up for a while. Like Helgeson, you are, you are a music expert. It feels like beat the geeks trying to come up with an album that I love that you haven't listened to. And obviously, I have a podcast dedicated to the band AFI called A Fire Inside Out. I, I kind of thought you were going to do that. <laughs> I know, but like I've talked about <laughs> AFI to death, and it's like, what is something that I love musically that I've never talked about on mic? Uh, and so I was thinking. I think maybe my favorite album of all time, which I don't know how well it holds up, but in my mind, it's still locked as number one, is Go Team's uh, Thunder Lightning Strike. Oh, yeah. That's a good record. Do you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you I mean, know I, I, I know it, but I don't, I don't, it was kind of more like a friend of mine really liked it. And yeah. they used to also play it on like Radio K back in the day when it was kind of out and stuff like that, which I usually listen to quite a bit. Right. And right. so I do remember it. Yeah. So it's I was just gonna fun. Go for that. It, it's just fun. It's lighthearted. I'm like, it's exactly the min-max tone I want. And then I was thinking, you know, go team in a headline. Not exactly. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> Bring well, home the bacon, you know? Yeah. It's but, like, what's I like mean, a bigger name that I love that I've never talked about and expressed? And so I thought, aha. I will talk about James Brown with you, Matt Helgeson. So That's my great. album for you was James Brown's 1971 live album called Love Power Peace. Yes. 
and it's great. I've quite enjoyed it. I've actually, I mean, I, I, obviously everyone's familiar with James Brown to like an extent. You know oh yeah, I mean? everyone's, like, everyone's seen the tuxedo. Yeah, yeah. you know, the, <laughs> you know, it's tired. He can't go on. He's got to be consoled. Got the, the cape that comes out. And then he reaches deep inside <laughs> to come back. I think it's the, great, it's the greatest bit in uh, all but time. But I think maybe there's a lot of people listening to this that have never seen the cape bit. And I think it is yep. mandatory viewing. If you are listening to this, just take a break, go on YouTube, and just look up James Brown cape. And it's just yep. any number of live performances. But there's a couple at the top with millions of views here where you can see the whole bit of the way he does this, Algus. Do you want to explain? Basically, <laughs> it's like he's overcome with the sheer force of his own soul power and I mean, his, he's own, been his own effort. For his hours own effort. On stage, yeah. And so he sort of theatrically collapses on stage and then sort of his assistant or whatever comes out and sort of consoles him and puts a cape over him as if he's got to be sort of let off, like maybe to go have the paramedics look at him. Has he has 100%. he has he rocked this show too hard to go on? Has he <laughs> yeah. done serious damage to himself? And there's like theatrical whispering about like, hey, yeah. come on, James, we come gotta on, get you, you can off do the it. stage. He's like, no, I can't go on. I can't go cut on. Cut me, cut me. Yeah, and it's and usually then, like the cape is the right word for it, but it's usually yeah. very like glittery and adorned. Right. Awesome. You know what? Yeah. Actually, it's got some similarities to the old uh, like Hulk Hogan bits. Not you know, familiar. Pro, <laughs> well, just pro wrestling in general. Oh yeah. You know, like yeah, yeah. a pro wrestler like can't go on, and then he, you know, rises up at the end to like you know defeat. His foes. Let's kind of, okay. So they, they have him going off stage. It's usually to please, please, please. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's limping off stage and then he'll go, no. And he'll whip the cape off and <laughs> run back to the mic for just a couple more lines yep, just yep. to get a rise out of the crowd. And everybody is trying to say, no, James, stop, stop, stop. And everyone does this big performance. It is yep. endlessly fun to watch because he does it over and over again <laughs> throughout yep. his entire career. It's yeah. amazing. And also, I mean, we should just you know say uh, it's a live album. It sounds great. But he was arguably, I mean, you could put, you know, Michael Jackson, Prince, maybe Beyonce now. But he was one of the more physical, physically gifted entertainers. Yeah, 100%. And frankly, like if for maybe younger listeners, some of the stuff that you've seen Prince do that you associate with Prince is that, and even Michael Jackson is absolutely 100 percent. Like these, these these kids saw him on like mm -hmm. Soul Train or whatever. And, and like, if you want to get hip with the real younger, I mean, Bruno Mars, I think Bruno was Mars, James Brown I mean, too. Yeah, yeah, but like the split thing. Yeah. Going down to splits, that was him. I, the kick the microphone stand down and then tip the microphone stand back up to yourself. Another, classic. I love that move. I, I um, read a little bit of a, an autobiography of his when I was a kid. I was auto just a or bio? I think it was, might have just been a biography, but it was a direct quote from him claiming that he lost four pounds every show at his peak <laughs> in like the early so 60s. Like some marketing, but it, he was, it likely was, but like watch footage enough of him and it's not hard to believe. Yeah, no. Hey, he's the hardest working well, man in show business. There's no doubt. Hey. I, I don't know. Are we already talking about this now? Should well, we, we should set up, I think, a little okay, bit of right, like, right. you know, that the, was my pick for you because okay. I want to talk about James Brown because yes. I love James Brown. Yes. And your pick for me was Nas Illmatic, um, which I think, you know, if you Googled like, you know, best rap albums of all time, it would be very high on a lot of different lists. You would It would come up, you know, with like albums like The Chronic, uh, The Low End Theory by, you know, uh, Tribe Called Quest. Straight out of Compton, you know, going up to like Outcat, you know, a bunch of stuff. It's generally considered it was uh, Nas's first album. It was, you know, very, very anticipated in sort of like the New York rap community. And it's, I think it's basically considered a classic. I think it's sort of for a certain type of rap considered the sort of apex of a kind of lyricism and kind of like jazzy, um, you know, has a lot of jazz samples. Um, his dad actually, um, Nas's father is uh, uh, Ulu. Oludara, 
who is actually a jazz musician. He's cornetist. Yeah. So he was kind of brought up in that kind of vibe. He was from the Queensbridge Housing Projects. Um, I think he which, mentions that a couple times in this album. Yeah, yeah. he likes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Queensbridge kind of became sort of like after this, sort of, like there was another group called Mob Deep, uh, Capone and Noriega. So like Queensbridge kind of became after this album sort of like a, you know, kind of like a Compton, you know, like a very, or the South Bronx, you know, yeah, sort of yeah. like a storied place. Those, Why did you choose this for me? Um, I just was curious because it's definitely one of those albums like that rap fans of a certain age are always like, rap's not like it used to be. It should all be like Illmatic. And I was just curious, like, like somebody that wasn't involved, it, it just has a lot of, um, like mythology built around it. Oh, interesting. Like yeah. an Illmatic is just sort of like, it's sort of this like, you know, storied thing in rap. He had sort of a certain like mystique about him when he first came out. And I'm just kind of curious, like, how it stands up, like, all these years later, somebody that doesn't really have any reference, yeah, didn't really hear about the hype of this album, hasn't, like, doesn't know that it's, like, considered, like, one of the great, like, top two or three rap albums ever recorded. So, I guess it was more just, you know. Yeah, and going into, like, a, I feel like a <laughs> frozen caveman lawyer here, but, like, going in and seeing, like, okay, Illmatic, I guess I've maybe seen that name somewhere but if you put a gun to my head and said is this a famous album i would not have been able yeah. to tell you I mean, right? i'm sure nas's name probably was like familiar to looked certain... vaguely familiar but yeah. i knew rapper beyond that as you could hear probably from the intro i have i really had no idea who he was in anyway um but it was a situation where i was like i'm just gonna look up illmatic on wikipedia here first and then saw oh it's a long page for illmatic and <laughs> oh, then yeah, I, yeah. I didn't read anything and I, I listened to it cold a lot uh, and then went back and, and did a little more research and stuff. But here's a weird question for you is how did you listen to to your pick or my pick for you? Like what is the ideal music listening situation? How do you listen um, to music with the intent of like analyzing it? Oh, uh, it was kind of a combo really because I, w- I would sort of like, you know, listen at home. I have like a – I can like stream music into my stereo through like – there was this thing called the Chromecast Audio Google made for a minute. They don't make it anymore. It's super awesome. So you basically huh. need to like – just use it to stream like Spotify or Tidal or whatever into your, your stereo. I listen at home. I, you know, listen to my phone in the car. Uh, if I went for a walk, I would like have it on headphones. So pretty variety. When you're you sitting know? at home, are you, I imagine you, uh, sipping bourbon in a very <laughs> sure, relaxed, sure, comfy yeah. chair, just uh, staring at a blank wall, listening to this music. Is that what it looks uh, like? I love my stereo is pretty nice. Okay. I'm not going to lie to you. It's pretty nice. It's, pretty nice. That, yeah. it's a pretty nice stereo. Like, right. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. Because um, I, I had a weird thing from... I mean, part of part of the time I was like like close listening and I was sort of like trying to... Especially when, um, just for the sake of the show, Jason's going to be like streaming clips here and we wanted yeah. to have like certain parts of a song so we have like time you know we gave jason some like oh at 115 of this song or whatever so then i was really like listening because i had notes and i was really trying to be like oh that part's like really cool or like that might be a point i want to make so i guess i was probably like closely more listening as opposed to like you know having it on while like i make dinner and just stuff like that yeah i mean but i did that for my album a couple times and then i also would like i listened to it again reading all the lyrics because i mean i don't know if you ever sat down and done that for for a rap album or this album in particular but like i think it really changes the feeling of it when you're reading the lyrics along with just listening to it because there's mm-hmm. so many words you can miss and it becomes yeah. more like mm-hmm. okay this is almost like reviewing poetry at this point like yeah. i really just need to study exactly what and he's kind of extraordinarily dense lyrics too like they're very dense did, did, right? okay. did you use genius for that genius uh, i'm not sure i googled like, Ilmatic lyrics anyway i think it was likely genius likely yeah. genius nas is was the first uh professional rapper to have his own like verified genius account apparently. and what is oh, genius really? 
it's uh, like a lyrics database. Can you kind of annotate lyrics, basically? It's like Wiki- oh. Wikipedia for, for lyrics. You can upload them, and the community can sort of comment on them, what they mean, what they reference. Uh, oh, interesting. You know, that kind of thing. And apparently, he was the first rapper to have ever gotten like a verified account so that he could go in and make his own annotations. Yeah, that would make sense. Oh, because Genius was like, is definitely like rap dorks, like the site, and Nas is like very beloved of like those kind of people. So, like, yeah. that would make total sense that he was, you know. Mm-hmm. Or those, I say those kind of people as if I'm not one. <laughs> yeah. Those, you know, those people. Music you don't want to. But there's a weird thing too where it's like I've noticed doing the Fire Inside Out podcast that if I'm just sitting down and listening to music and, and taking notes on time codes and analyzing lyrics, I feel like I'm not, I'm not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Like I get too analytical. I'm not emotionally just getting in the groove. Right. And what I found really helps is when you're trying to just absorb a new album, specifically it's driving. Like I need to listen to it while driving around and having, yeah. it's like the perfect level of, Paying attention ratio, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, totally. I love love listening to the car. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I did it a lot for this. I was actually even on the drive over here. I had it on just oh, to kind of awesome. like, you know, stay fresh with it or whatever. Okay, so love Fireface, I chose it for you. Um, I heard this album for the first time. It's probably like 2010. I remember I was listening just to the radio. It's just NPR and Saul Williams, like the poet, you know, yep, Saul Williams. Yep. Yeah, he like opened for Mars Volta years ago. I remember. Wow. I just, a weird, I think it was Mars Volta. That makes sense. At the Quest. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, those guys would have weird, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I, anyway, so I was like, oh, I always have this connection to the name Saul Williams. And he was on NPR, NPR, Minnesota Public Radio, maybe. And he was talking about his favorite album of all time. And he said it was James Brown's Love Power Peace. And I was like, well, I guess I've heard of James Brown, but I've never really listened to him. I should check this out. And I listened to it and I completely fell in love with it. Um, and so it is risen to the ranks and become one of my favorite albums of all time. And specifically then I became obsessed with James Brown live albums. And yeah. so everyone obviously goes to, Oh, live at the Apollo is kind of like the classic James Brown live album. I'm not disputing that it's fantastic. But at the same time, I think love power peace is like the most fun, more up-tempo version where you go back and listen to live at the Apollo and even live at the Apollo two. And there's a lot of kind of slower love ballads, which Still fun to hear with a live audience, but mm-hmm. I feel like Love Fire Peace has that energy that I'm looking for from James Brown. And even listening to studio recordings, then I had this weird feeling of just, this is not what I want from James Brown. Like, I, great, no doubt, but like the fun of James Brown is in that live performance. Mm-hmm. It's does, in that electricity. Does Soul Machine not do it for you where they overdubbed like fake audience sounds <laughs> over like really good tracks? <laughs> yes, great. Yes, yeah. you definitely did. And what is your, and Jason, did you listen to these albums in I preparation did. for this then? Just once through each. Uh, I was much more familiar. I think I was exactly the same as you, except I knew how to pronounce Nas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> familiarity level with that yeah. artist. Um, and it, it like, even as somebody who doesn't listen to rap, it blows you away. It's yeah. just like very lyrically dense, very, uh, it feels like important. And I can't imagine what it must've been like to listen to it in 94 yep. when it came out. Yeah. Uh, so that's nuts. I'm a big fan of like not current live albums, like from the seventies and from the sixties. What when, a weird thing to be into. Well, just because like you can tell sometimes that they're struggling with the actual tech to like catch the right uh, instruments sometimes. And like there, maybe the audio fidelity isn't quite as good. Yeah. So I like that, like Im- just imagining the, the challenge that it must've been to capture a live performance. Cause you know, tracking is one thing and in studio is another thing. Uh, I really, really, really loved your pick Ben of, of love power piece. Um, Does it, that mean I won? Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll determine the okay. Minitrax winner at the end. Uh, but it led me down a rabbit hole about James Brown that I probably don't did not want to go down just as a person. Uh, oh, his, this is a tough thing. It's a tough I mean, note you know, to start in, out. In but fairness, I doubt even Nas himself would put himself above James Brown. 
You know what I mean? As an artist. Oh, as an artist. Sure. sure. As know, a person. He, he was, yeah. he, and, I mean, well, I don't know. Should we, do we feel like we're talking a lot of James Brown? So maybe we'll just switch it up. Oh, you think so? You well, I'm get, curious you wanna, about your history with, yeah, Nas. With, James, with, not, with James Brown or Nas? Hey, whatever you want, man. Um, James Brown, I, I mean, I know, but I basically have one album called In the Jungle Groove, which is a studio album that's definitely that super hard, kind of repetitive, kind of yeah. funk stuff. And I'm not even sure if it's a compilation. It's like, it was like, in the clearance bin at like electric fetus forever ago. And then certain like CDs, you just like leave in the car kind of for a long time and yeah. like, you know, whatever. But anyway, um, Nas, yeah, I mean, I was always a hip, huge rap fan. And, um, uh, like one summer I was supposed to paint my mom's garage. She was paying me to paint her garage. And like, I had this, I had just gotten into this and like, I, that was all I listened to pretty much. Like I was painting this garage all summer. So like I got super, super into oh, it. Wow. And I've always been a fan of his, you know, I mean, he has, Good albums after this. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I was talking to Surreal about your pick for me. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, he went with Illmatic and Surreal, who likes a lot of rap. He's like, oh, I, that's an interesting choice. I don't know if I would have gone with that one, but sure. Oh, really? Yeah. See, for but Surreal's like younger yeah. than me, too, though. So yeah. you might think other ones like, I know he has, he has Stillmatic, which is another one. And oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was written. Um, I am. I mean, he, has, he's a, he puts out a lot of albums. And, I mean, I think they're generally always something good. Some are better than others. But I think this was sort of considered like, you know, his perfect kind of debut yeah that, um i don't know it's just got a certain vibe to it it's got it's very i mean it's very kind of it's, it's gangster in some ways but it's sort of got a almost it's like heartfelt in a like way melancholy kind of vibe yeah. and like a lot of the jazz samples are very like i think it's a lot of like you know early 70s kind of fusiony like samples and stuff like that and it's got a kind of weird like eerie vibe to it but um it definitely fo- feels different than a lot of this stuff of that era yeah. or really and I think this is the fun part of Mintrax is like this almost feels like a layup for finding the ways that these albums are connected. But when it's two completely disconnected albums, it's like, what do we got for the connecting thread? And then the more you dig into the connection between Nas and James Brown, it's like, okay, one, two, three, four. And like yeah. it's, it's, yep, it's right yep. there. On, it's served on a silver platter. Definitely. How did you get into hip hop as a young lad in Minnesota? I, mean, I guess the first time I probably saw was the, it's probably the Run DMC video, like Aerosmith. Walk this way. Yeah, Aeros- you're really into Aerosmith first, or no? I just was like, I, I remember just seeing it like on TV, and it was like this thing where it's like, it's like if you've never seen the video. They it's Run DMC covering Walk This Way, yeah, and it's like they're in the studio, and they're like, and like Aerosmith is like you know rehearsing like the rock band version, and then all of a sudden it's like on the other side of the wall, like Run DMC is like rehearsing like their rap version, and they're kind of like like Aerosmith annoyed that like Run DMC is making noise, so he's like pounding through. And then eventually, like, he puts a hole in the wall, and then they, like, join forces yeah. to rock the power of rock and rap together kind of thing. Does I, the song actually change at that point? No, it's kind of the same. It was on oh. one of the Run DMC albums. Like, they – because I, I think what happened is I think rappers used to, like, uh, like live, they used to use a lot of drum beats and, and walk this way. It starts with that doom, ch, doom, doom, ch, doom, ch, doom, doom, So they would just, like – I think they just used, like, old Aerosmith records just for beats, like, live. And so they – but it, I don't know. It's really cor- it's corny as hell. But my like, reference for that is always uh, at one point in the game former office back when we worked there. Uh, somebody was arguing in one of the three main offices and Jeff Cork uh, was talking about it. And he's like, well, of course I could hear everything they were saying because they had the game former office has walked this way level walls. <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> like, totally. Yeah, yeah. I was like busting yeah, through a paper oh wall. Yeah. Dude, I heard Andy going off on people on the phone. <laughs> exactly, so exactly. But, um, and then, then there was like, you know, just... I guess later on there was like uh, Yo MTV Raps, 
which is like crazy. You know, like that show was crazy. Like, is it yeah. have all these guys on when I was like a little kid? And um, yeah, Fab Five Freddy, Dr. Dre and Ed Lover, and they would have you know all the big rappers on and stuff like that, and kind of brought hip hop to like mid America, I guess. My yeah. friend, my friend would always tape it for me. So I would get like VHS tapes of it and like watch those forever and ever and ever. And then, oh, and then there was a magazine called The Source, which is a big, like, I guess you could say it was analogous to probably like what Rolling Stone in like the 60s and 70s was to like rap in like the 90s, 80s, 90s, maybe through the early 2000s. You know what I mean? Um, and my friend's dad owned the local Super Value. So they didn't get it, but like because they would get magazines, they like my friend could get. As long as I promised to buy it, like my dad, like his dad would order the source magazine for it through like the magazine distributor as long as I went and bought it every month. So I would like see like, it would never come to my little podunk like farm town other than that, but yeah. I would buy it every month and like go through all the reviews and stuff like that. Hey, this is maybe too heady. What do you think spoke to you about the world of hip hop? Um, I mean, I think it was just so different. You know what I mean? It was, it was like a, you know, just the idea that music it was so sparse compared to stuff. You know what I mean? A lot of it was just like drum beats and like, I mean, really, I mean, I was going to get into this with James Brown, but like some of, you know, just these very sparse repetitive patterns. It just, yeah. didn't, it wasn't like music in the conventional sense. And then just, I think the lyrics of it just always like wanted to memorize stuff and, you know, and that, that's still true to this day. You know, like, I mean, I still, you know, I mean, I don't love everything now, but you know, there's a lot of people that I, I still really like, you know, like Kendrick Lamar is great. And, um, a lot of underground people that are awesome, like Rock Marciano and like Griselda Records and um, West Side Gun, Conway the Machine. Um, but yeah, I just, I mean, yeah, just kind of always love just like, you know, wordplay and stuff like that. And just always like, you know. Do you think it's connected to your love of writing? Possibly. Yeah. That's really I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's just, you know, the kind of, I think, yeah, it's just, it's just a cool thing. And, I, you know, just like the idea of building music that wasn't people playing music was like they were taking pre-recorded music and kind of changing it into it was sort of like a different concept of making music at that time you yeah know? and now it's very common obviously but you know i thought that was just sort of an interesting thing because i think these kids just like you know they couldn't afford you know instruments and they didn't probably have like access to like music lessons in school and things like that so they just like they had like their parents had old james brown records and yeah. old soul records and like old John Coltrane records and stuff like that. And they were just like digging. I mean, cause like most of that rap of that year is totally built off. Like, like what a parent's record collection from somebody that came up in the, you know, sixties and seventies would have, you know what I mean? Like jazz, R and B soul Motown, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. So yeah. I think it was just like kids like that were like 15, just like digging through their parents' records and then, you know, just taking like what they thought was the good part of their song and just looping that, you know, for sure. So, I mean, it's just, it was, yeah, it just felt different. I mean, it felt different in a way that I can't really, it's kind of weird now because it's so, it's like the biggest form of music. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, really rap is like the dominant form of music today. I guess I never thought about that way, but I'm a music idiot. So yeah, it does. I guess I'm curious because I've spoken to you a lot about music and you usually throw out artists that I don't like know. Does that interest in like being, uh, uh in consuming something that's different, extend to your like tastes and rap today you mentioned a lot of artists i've never heard of yeah so. i mean it's more just this is certain types of new rap that aren't necessarily what i prefer i mean i don't really like to get into the whole like that's bad or that's good because some of it can be cool you know what i mean and i try to keep up on you know the little uzi verts of the world whatever you know what i mean i listen to like his stuff. Sure. I love that guy. but i mean you know it's just a little different i mean it's not necessarily what i prefer for rap you know what i mean like 
and that's fine. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of underground artists that I like to still that could do something that I kind of yeah. dig. And um, I mean, I guess probably the most like the biggest artist, like I mentioned, Kendrick Lamar. He'd probably be like the biggest artist now that kind of I think is like, in my opinion, as good as really Nas or any. I mean, I, I would go back with with anybody with Kendrick Lamar. Really? In my opinion, yeah, I think I think he's really what he's put together and his lyrics and his uh, just ability is amazing. So. Um, I, I, to me, he's kind of like the, the, like a great, you know, of all time now, in yeah. my opinion, but, uh, and well, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that are great, you know, um, Kenny Woods is good, uh, Armand Hammer, um, bunch of people, but they're more on the underground kind of level, you know? Sure. Well, hey, uh, Love Power Peace, should we dive into yeah, this let's thing? Do it. Let's yeah, do it, yeah. I mean, what's a, what's your gut reaction listening to this thing? Um, it's, it's great. Um, I mean, I, I definitely knew James Brown, um, but I, I mean, I you think... You knew James Brown? Yeah, I did know James Brown. He's a big Rocky Four fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Living in America. I actually just watched Rocky Four. Did you? Yeah, fun. fun fact, do you know that that stupid robot opened shows for James Brown? Like what? the robot Hold for it, like Rocky Like the butler IV? robot? Yeah, came out on stage like, now I'm trying to understand your planet. <laughs> Introducing to further my senses, James Brown. <laughs> like literally, he would introduce concerts. See, when I watched it, I think they were all on like Netflix or something. And I, I watched Rocky one and it was like, I was sick. And then I just kind of kept going and I watched all of them. And you got worse. Yeah. they did. Get... <laughs> I'd forgotten about the robot Butler thing. I was just so like, that was like, it's insane that he built a career off of that role. <laughs> what the hell? Well, it's crazy. Cause I remember talking to Tim Turry, uh, about James Brown at some point. He's like, oh, I know Living in America is his biggest song. I'm like, what? No. But, like, but I hadn't seen Rocky IV at that point. It's like, oh, okay, it's such an amazing set piece in Rocky IV. Is, I yeah. get why it, it seals the show. Yeah. You know? He's kind of phoning it in at that point, though, I think. <laughs> yeah, but, um, for sure. I would imagine, you know, 70, early 70s, I'd imagine it's kind of like his peak, probably as like a performer. And um, so, yeah, I mean, the, it was, I think it was cool to hear a live album, which yeah. I, I don't think I'd actually listen to a live album. Oh, really? Oh, of wow. James Brown before. Um, it's just, I mean, number one is somebody that, you know, has played in bands and is playing in a band currently. Like, the level of his band, musicianship-wise, is, it's just nuts. I mean, because, like, some of these songs, like, they're so much faster. I mean, I don't know if we could start going Yeah, let's to, go for like, a clip, like, um, please. But, you know, like, uh, what was I going to say? Like, Ain't It Funky Now is just absolutely breakneck it's almost like punk rock speed but yeah. the, everything is absolutely precise like it almost becomes this kind of weird like clockwork machinery of like this groove it's just i can't i mean all right let's yeah, listen let's, to let's it let's listen. Listen. Yeah, take, take, take a listen to this clip the brilliance of especially live James Brown is it feels so natural like hey we're just having fun just the most emotion packed into this stuff let's all have this communal event together but at the same time the more you learn about James Brown the more you learn how scientific it was yeah like no. he is 
a stickler. Like, like they yeah. weren't having fun. I mean, they were having fun in a way, but it was like, mm-hmm. you, hey, number one, you don't get to be that good just like having fun. You know 100%. I mean? like, but like to the level that, I mean, the, the classic stories, yeah. I mean, he would fine his band members if they missed any timing at any second, mm-hmm, millisecond. Yeah. And that's actually how apparently they funded uh, the recording of Live at the Apollo, the first big live album, was he had to up the rates for everybody to be like, hey, if you F up this timing at any point, uh, I'm going to find you. And then eventually, hey, turns out I made so much, let's record that Live at the Apollo <laughs> album. Like It is yeah, meticulous, Jesus. man. But He's I mean, not a good guy, just no. to be very clear. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, I mean, somebody had to make the trains run on time. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, it's just breakneck. It's so like, I mean, that's got to be at least 15 BPMs over probably like the studio version. It's super yeah. fast. And yeah. Like, like listening to that album, I almost didn't recognize the song because it's like twice as fast. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really, and, and to be like maintain a groove and be that precise at that speed without being sloppy at mm-hmm. all. Sloppy, like the rhythm section, it's just, it's just impressive, man. That Those bands, I mean, I think it's like J-Bo Starks at that point on drums, but man, like those guys are good. 100%. They're just, They're just I mean, honed down. But that's, you know, I'm sure those guys probably played 250 shows a year, yeah. like every year, and just right. I mean, well, it's got, unbelievable. You've got uh, Catfish Collins and Bootsy Collins in that band too, right? Like they were from the JBs and P Funk, so they definitely had the chops for it, right? Yep. They'd already sort of whetted their blades. Yeah, sure. But you know, the only thing though is like, I, I mean, P Funk's kind of different. I mean, P Funk's kind of sloppy, though. You know, like P Funk live albums are really like those guys are like. I mean, I don't know, maybe. It could have been like just, you know, speed became heroin and that was like <laughs> the difference between James Brown and like P-Funk or whatever. But, you know, like James Brown is way tighter and P-Funk's definitely kind of like out there and like kind of sprawling and stuff. Yeah. Right. Uh, hey, you're a, you're a musical guy. Can you help mm-hmm. me with this? So I read a James Brown biography called The One by R.J. Smith and kind of the thesis and the name for the whole thing is the idea that James Brown tried to cement the idea of this is where I'm so sorry for being so stupid in terms of music, but like hitting the one for the emphasis that normally in music, it's the two and the four that's hit for the one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. But James Brown is one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, just for a more aggressive driving tone. Oh yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. To a degree. I mean, okay. the two and four, I always think it was like reggae. Oh, I don't like, know. Maybe it's reggae and funk. Yeah. Is you that know, right? Yeah. Okay. But I mean, but I, I know what they mean because it's like, yeah, I mean, you definitely, I think at this point he's, he's you know, and this is going to be something I wanted to talk about, was just sort of like, I think he's sort of like, if you compare like, let's like, play like Please, Please, Please. See, this is kind of more of a lilting, kind of like Motown-y kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's more conventional, like, songwriting, but like, then if you contrast that with like, Give It Up and Turn It Loose. Sorry, please, I'm please, making please, Jason please. do a lot of like No, that's fair. Here. But that's like earlier saying as he evolves, he gets more aggressive and faster. As, yeah, as I mean, long, I, that the it's sort of like, I mean, I think it's actually cool that it's paired with Nas because he's doing it with live instruments, but I kind of, you could kind of make the argument he's starting to get at what later would become hip hop or even like dance music or techno because like yeah. a lot of these songs really aren't songs anymore in the conventional sense. Like you can't sit down and like play, like give it up and turn it loose or like soul power, like on a piano mm-hmm. or right. like on an acoustic guitar. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause I mean, I guess my argument would be that if you looked at who was doing what in the, in the, in the late sixties, um, 
you can make the argument that, you know, was James Brown in, in hindsight from where we are now and how music is today, he, I would make the argument he might be more important than the Beatles. Because, like, you know, if you look at, like, how music is made now, it's it's more constructing grooves from, like, different elements. And, like, he, you know, he sort of has, like, the kind of, like, dun, 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 dun. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like they're not going through chord changes. A lot of them, in fact, is like, it might be, like, one chord for, mm-hmm. like, yeah. four minutes, basically. I mean, Jason, you know, you know theory better than I do. Yeah. Do I? Well, uh, you do. Yeah, you can like, read music. I can't read music. Well, like, a lot of prototypical funk from the 50s and 60s was very much that it was one chord riffed on it was like playing with rhythm rather than like motion of chords Mm -hmm. Uh, so it makes sense that james brown's like when he popularized that and mixed it with like an r&b sound he did like he threw the thing that sticks out to me about a lot of this album is he's obviously like singing his heart out but most of what you're hearing is actually instruments right like there Mm -hmm. are long pauses long breaks of him just like giving an ah or an ooh or whatever and that's that's exactly and that's that's kind of his contribution it takes everything out of him but that's kind of his contribution to it yeah i mean i think he's more like a conductor of a certain you know like i think he's like sort of the arranger and conductor of like this whole band thing you know he's just another instrument in a way yeah 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 yeah. and even thinking about like the comparison between these two albums i was thinking about that it's like there's a lot of repetition obviously and so much of the the soul of these two albums comes from the personality and the charm. But yeah, you want to play that clip then? Yeah. Let's play like Give It Up and Turn It Loose. This is Give It Up or Turn It Turn It Loose. Turn It a Loose. See, this is very proto hip hop. Yeah. And like the guitar always comes back to the same pattern. It's really, it could be on a loop, really. Yeah. Yeah. Like every four bars or whatever that is. So this is why Jason Brown is the best, but never choose his songs from like Rock Band Three because you think it's great, and then it's like, oh, it's just an entire song of me going, ah, yeah. turn it up now, ah, yeah. <laughs> don't be the singer, be the yeah. drummer. Oh, yeah, I understand. Oh, also, Jason, play Soul Power from just from the beginning because I think that's like that made me think of like hip hop, yeah, later on like so much from where like it starts and then it's kind of like a. And then it changes to the just like God, they're good. Yeah. They are in the pocket. Deep in the pocket here. Well-oiled machine. We don't need And this is a really good pick. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it switches up here pretty soon. There we go. And this was another thing, because, like, James Brown was, like, really popular samples, but because he's also one of the only artists that would, like, he would have a lot of, like, clean, they used to call them, like, clean breaks. Yeah. Like, drums, just, just drums. You know what I mean? Because I think it was yeah. hard to find that, like, when, when they were sampling off records, because usually, like, they're singing, and you got to try to, like, figure out a way around the singing. Like, mm-hmm. James would have, like, a lot, like, the funky drummer beat was, like, a very famous beat. Um... But, you know, I, I, yeah, it's interesting because, like, he, the way he puts stuff together, I think, is, is very interesting. And, like, you know, the, in, like, here, here, here I'll go to the, what, me, the, the things that I'm not as crazy about on this album. Yeah. Is that, like, I think he's super into, like, what he's doing there. Like, I feel like he, he's got this band so tight and yeah. they're doing this very, like, kind of modern, 
like take on like really hard kind of aggressive and like almost relentless kind of funk. I I feel like obviously it's a concert and he's an entertainer and I think there's sort of got to be a certain pacing, but some of the older stuff feels like the pop has got a brand new brag. I feel good. That feels about as perfunctory as it's like, is it, it's a medley and it's like a minute in yeah, yeah. 20 seconds. You can't spell perfunctory without, without funk. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I love about seeing, like I hadn't, I hadn't heard this album prior to this episode either, but uh, the fact that he jams probably three of what I remembered as some of his biggest songs into a literal one minute and 29 yeah. seconds. Well, it's, it's like during like George on my mind, it's like, Hey, tell me you got the sex routine. Then I believe you're going to be super bad. It's just like this weird, quick montage. Like, yeah. you know, the hits. All right, let's actually have it. Just get, but it, to me, it felt like you can see like, now you can say you saw me do it. Like, yeah. you know, yeah, you got yeah. like, we, we check, we ticked those boxes for you. And now we're going to go back to like another, like seven minute, like thing, you know, like that. What we're into, you know, it's yeah. almost like a troll move, yeah, like of 1972 or whatever. But still, like rallying the crowd just yeah. to get more energy to go into what they want to actually perform, you know, because yeah. the crowd is just eating it up. And so you talk about like, you know, James Brown and the origins of hip hop. So there's a there's a song that's actually not on this album, just to break convention from Intrax out of the gate. There's a song called "America Is My Home," that apparently in the book. I, Here's what a dork I am, Helgeson. Whenever I read a book, I take notes in the back of like, oh, page 37. Interesting mm. note about this. And so it was like a godsend when it was Mintrax was born. And I went back and said, like, all right, James Brown. I looked at the biography. He's like, oh, here's all these insightful <laughs> notes I took on this. But was, so there's a song called America's My Home, which is considered like a weird prototypical early rap song. Okay. Uh, but also considered for being just hopelessly uh, patriotic. But here's James Brown's America's My Home that a lot of people see as kind of the progenitor of rap. me leave America, you got to be crazy. And I like all the nice things, Jack. Continental suits and things. Look here. Now I'm sorry for the man who don't love this land. Okay, yeah. Now black and white, they may fight. <laughs> but if the enemy come, we'll get together and run them out of sight. Now look here. The sun don't come out in rainy weather, but when you boil it down, they are still together. There you go. There you go. Can't argue. Now let's not overlook <laughs> the fact that we're yeah the whole patriotic yeah. era of James Brown. Like he really cozies up to Nixon uh, during his administration. There's a lot of uh, bizarre beats there. Yeah. So I, I would say yeah the. Papa's got a bear. That seems a little like we're just running through this. Also, yeah. and I don't know if you want to play this because it is a famous one, but I've never been a huge It's a Man's World fan. It's kind I of like it's a man's world, but I, like yeah, I turgid to me, if you want to use that term. I just Ugh. I'm just not a big fan. I mean, to be honest, like he's great in many ways, and he's certainly not a bad singer, but like he's far from the greatest uh ballad singer of like the right. 60s, like R and male art, you know, like you have people like Sam Cooke or like Otis right. Redding or he Marvin Gaye or, you know, I mean, he's not, let's say the most gifted yeah. in terms of like doing the slow. I mean, I guess I just figure like I always get the sense, especially in the kinds of live ones, like you can't just rip people's heads off for like two hours straight. Yeah, it almost feels yeah. like pacing and it may be pacing for the band and for him as yeah. well. Like he has maybe uh, just functionally, maybe he could like stand in one spot. That was probably like <laughs> seriously something you have to consider when you're like as athletic 
yeah, the 100%. performers him. You know what I mean? So like, I, not that they're bad. I mean, they're certainly not bad. No, like, it's really yeah, it's, I, it's I a love, great band. And, I love like the live performance. I think really comes through with uh, Man's World in this in this album because there's that moment too where he's like, you know, that man makes money. Money and then the crowd like yeah, yeah. erupts like yeah, yeah. money baby it's <laughs> yeah. such a weird especially because like yeah. I think it's a French crowd right yeah or important. else like Try Me was another one I mean none of, and there again there's nothing bad on this album it's just I think compared to like the stuff that we've been talking about it just feels a little bit kind of old fashioned or for, for where they were at in like 1971 but right. again yeah I, I understand that like I mean it might be physically hard to do those fast ones like for two hours straight or whatever you got to kind of like oh, 100%. pace yourself so. But yeah, I mean, it's it's impressive, man. The whole oh, thing's good. very impressive, and uh, it was fun to listen to. I think that definitely the live aspect adds a lot to it. You know, even on songs that I knew, like you know, Sex Machine or things like that. Yeah, like um, the second version of Sex, Sex Machine, kind of like the reprise at the end. Like yeah, that last that, song Jason. is just like yeah, play just that. the final song of the album, where it's basically a medley in a way, but just like the most energy they can muster. I love it. Get this up, is probably get into after it, get involved. Uh, the last song, I think it's is it just called Sex Machine Reprise? I forget. Yeah, Sex Machine Two. I had in my notes. <laughs> T O O, that's not true. Can't find it. No, that's all right. No, that's all right. It's just the last song. If you have it on the album, sure. Then. I got that. There we go. What we get up? What do we this, mean? I'm assuming this is after he collapsed and came Probably, back. Yeah. What do we mean? Get on up. Everybody over there. Get on up. Everybody up there. Get it. Bobby Bird rally. Yeah, Bobby so Bird, uh, we should really say he's a, also an all-star on this. His, oh, 100%. His, their call and response stuff and his hype man stuff is great. On it, point. Even the intro, yeah. Oh, my God. He's just such a good job of building up his round. It's beautiful. It reminds me of, did either of you see uh, Aretha Franklin's, um, I forget what church she was part of, but there was footage released, like a whole concert film released last year called mm. Amazing Grace. I'm mm. like, Footage that never got released no. at the time. I saw that, that got caught on up the marquee, like, by the Beautiful, beautiful movie. And it reminds me of that because her pastor joined her for the whole concert. Yeah. And it's just like a call and response, just like just a hype man oh, deal wow. for her. It's great. Turn this up there, Jason. Up? Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Come on. It's that weird, it is that level of calm response that just feels so magical. Of again, feeling natural, but also you just know that he's probably screaming at Bobby Bird backstage about like, you gotta introduce me exactly this way, man. Don't F this up. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, super great. Actually, I have a quick story. Yeah. Friend of mine, Jason, different Jason, uh, Clyde Stubblefeld, who was another James Brown drummer. He did like funky drummer. He was uh, his nickname was a funky drummer. I think it, I don't know if it was before this guy or okay. after this guy. Probably before. Anyway, he for many years he had a regular club gig in Milwaukee. Oh wow! Just at a bar with like a uh, like a bar funk band, and my friend went to see him. And my friend plays in a he plays in a band up here called like the Undergroove or something. They're pretty good. They're like a funk band. They play a lot of outdoor stuff in the summer, and he's a good drummer. And he came up and like you know talked to him, and he was like kind of intimidated to meet him because he's like this is like my ultimate like idol is like a funk drummer. And Clyde was like super nice. And then he was like, they've been talking. He's like, well, you, you want to play kid, man? It's, it's cool. You should play. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, no, sit in it. Sit in it. So like, he literally played his drums. He let oh my friend my Jason God. play with his band Jesus. on his drums. Like the James Brown drummer. That's and I think amazing. Clyde Clyde is maybe a little more iconic than the guy on this record. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was crazy. He was just like absolutely like 
he had no clue that he was going to offer to like let him play. So oh it was kind of neat. I thought it was a cool story. But yeah, yeah. for many, I think he recently died, like maybe last year oh, or this wow. year, or probably last year. But anyway, but yeah, for many years he just lived in the Milwaukee area. Man was just like a dude that played in bands. God, that's that weird era too, where it's like, okay, these legends in the music industry, a little bit like the game industry, right? just like, oh, summer's hanging out at their house. Andy yeah, Gavin yep. from Naughty Dogs just hammering a paycheck and just having a good time on his own, making food trucks, whatever he's up to now. You know, it's <laughs> I, think, just I think Gavin's worried about his paychecks. I think but, he's doing yeah. all right. But um, uh, okay, so talking about like the live interactivity, this is again derailing it just for one song, but there is. Uh, like I think my favorite James Brown track, which is confusing because my favorite album, my favorite track is from Live at the Apollo 2 and it's I Feel Alright. And the entire song is just audience interaction. The entire song is just, I think it's so fun. And Jason, are you a Rhythm Heaven fan? A bit. Okay. If I've you're a video game fan, it feels like a Rhythm Heaven game. Okay. Just jump to like 425 here from I Feel Alright at Live at the Apollo 2 with James Brown. It's just all interaction. I just love it. What time stamp was that again? Uh, 425. 425. He got something else on his mind, eh? You know, you want me to hurry up and get off the stage so you can go home, you dig it? Come on now, brother, stay with me. Don't leave me here. Yeah, let's take all this groove away. I love it. He's like. These interactions, like off the cuff, are like super rehearsed and oh, exactly yeah. the same every single night. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, this, like I'm sure this dialogue is like dead on every night. Oh, yeah. Bring it on, man, because I get away. Come on. Come on. Hey, hey. I feel on. Down. So he's trying to coach him to go right one beat at a time. Okay, skip it all. Hey, hey. Two times. Oh, oh. Man, I gotta get an extra thing in there. But you just go and hit it about five six times and it'd be cool. <laughs> Come on. Hey, hey, three times. A few long right. Come on. Uh, uh, uh. Four times. Hey, hey. A few long right. Hit it. Uh, uh, uh. Now James likes doing Let's things go. two times, then three times, then four times. Oh, yeah. He's very, he's very big <laughs> on that. I can be. Come on. Hey, hey. One time, I feel alright. Uh, That's it. It's just working with the audience to try and build them. And like, you feel and can hear the audience being confused at the start. Uh-huh. And then by the end, they're in it. And James Brown is fueling off. And it's like this beautiful, simpatico moment between him and the audience. I love he has a line there once it like starts rolling where he just goes, I'm as mellow as I can be. <laughs> so good. Yeah. I mean, that was great. It was awesome. Pick. Oh, good. It was super fun. Oh, one last thing. Yeah. Just, I, I saw this on, I think it was on public television. There's a documentary about James played Baltimore, I believe, the day after Dr. Martin Luther King. I think King it was, was Detroit. A, a, I think it was Baltimore. Was it? Sure, okay. Because yeah. Detroit burned. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. All right. Never mind then. So, um, they were really like, there was this whole debate in the city like like is this going to incite more violence because all these people are going to be drawn to this show and get like hyped up and then the decision was made with like the mayor and the police and James and the local public television station that they would actually not only have the show but they would broadcast it for free on the local public That's television so station wild. so James agrees to do it, and the, is, there's some very tense moments. Like, there's one moment where the police are involved on stage, and I think it might have been a guy that ran up on stage or something. It feels like a moment where everything could, like, 
turn into like a riot. Oh, you know what I mean? Like a yeah. very tense moment. James kind of manages to diffuse it, puts on like a you know this is sixty eight that dark. So yeah. like, I mean, obviously, like every night they were amazing, and like he played extra long. But anyway, apparently, like they were, it was credited. They felt with because like that same night, you know, Detroit burned. I think you know L A. You know, many multiple cities around the country had you know huge riots, and Baltimore really didn't because they felt like people stayed home to like watch this concert or attend the concert uh, in person. Yeah. So it's kind of an intro. It was, it's a cool, and the footage is, is very striking. Yeah. Do you know the name of the doctor? I've never seen it. I that. can't. That's the problem is I'm totally like spacing uh, you on can, it. But you can Google it. Yeah, I'm sure we was... can add it to the description something later sure. after I find it. But anyway, that's worth checking out because it was, it was you know, broadcast on TV, so there's all like awesome like live footage and stuff like that. And it's yeah. all like kind of documented. So anyway. <laughs> All right, we're back. Part two. Um, Jason actually found um, the documentary that we were just mentioning yeah. about James Brown, and it was yeah. it was Boston, not Baltimore. Yeah, sorry, Boston people, don't be mad at me. The concert <gasps> film is live at the Boston Garden, April fifth, nineteen sixty-eight. Okay, oh, well worth watching. I'm probably banned from like Wahlburgers now. Yeah, I think but so. If I got Boston <laughs> and Baltimore confused, damn, bro. damn buddy. Um, really localizing this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, dude, Wahlburgers is everywhere, man, right? It's a phenomenon. Is it? Is it? Is it? <laughs> really? <laughs> is it? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Mark Wahlberg has a burger joint called Wahlburgers in the Mall of America. Um, so, <laughs> unless we want to delve deeper and into that. Back to and tracks. we're back to Mintrax. And we're back to Mintrax. Um, so that's so, why I picked Marky Mark's debut album. <laughs> <laughs> Good Vibrations. Yeah. yeah. Great stuff. Don't forget the Funky Bunch, because they, right, they contributed a lot to you. You're right. Um, always next week. But- as I, I kind of noted, you know, obviously I love this album. Illmatic. A lot of people do. Illmatic by Nas. Um, but I think it's how do I put it? So when you're you're a kid, just a, you know, something before our time, like the Beatles. Like when you first hear the Beatles, like you're sort of already primed to hear the Beatles. Like yeah. when you when somebody plays you the Beatles for the first time, you're already sort of aware of the Beatles as a thing. Or like any band, like Pink Floyd or like Led Zeppelin, like you see, so you sort of really have it in your head that like the Beatles are really important, mm-hmm. and this is like really important music. So you're sort of you're probably already hearing it with a certain mindset. You yeah. know what I mean? Because of their, I mean, the Beatles are the ultimate because they have such a like huge reputation for you know almost compared to anybody. But um, so I guess I was curious because this is like you know I think in, in hip hop it's probably comparable to like you know a Sergeant Pepper's or like Dark Side of the Moon. Um, but you didn't, you know, you heard it without really knowing. I'm a little baby boy. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, I think that's cool because no, you didn't have a preconception like, well, this is like considered like one of the great rap albums. It was just sort of like you were hearing a record. And so I was always kind of curious as like, it meant something to me. It means something to a lot of people. But yeah. if you didn't, if you weren't already invested in it and I don't know, I think mean, tell me what you think. The overall sensation I got is I enjoyed it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it feels like an album that uh, I understand why it's monumental. You know, vaguely just reading about it afterwards, like, oh, it is clearly uh, celebrated in such a big way. But even just listening to it, it feels like just this explosion of like, oh, God, I have a microphone. I have so much to say. You know, yeah, like, if you yeah. want to sum up just the overall theme of this album, like in terms of like there's, there's uh, songs later on where it's just – it is just, I need to list every person and every story they've gone through. Like, it just feels like this pent up, 
there's so many stories from my neighborhood specifically, yeah. and we've never had a microphone to talk about it before. And yeah. that's what I really appreciate about it mm-hmm. is how specific it is, right? Yeah, it's very local. I mean, Queensbridge yeah. is really a character as much as he is, like the projects that he's in. Here's a dumb question. Can you talk about New York rap scene before this album? I mean, how how much did this change things? I don't mean to put you on the spot and to be the historian here, but... um, I mean, I think that... This was sort of maybe the culmination of a few years. I mean, I think obviously like Rakim from Eric B and Rakim is sort of considered probably maybe the most important MC of all time because he kind of did a lot of things like internal rhyme schemes and and more syncopated. You know, you know, like those sort of rhyme words in the middle. Like it used to be the kind of Run DMC like, I'm the king of rock. There is none higher. Yeah. Suck at MCs should call or like the Beastie Boys, you know, like the Beastie Boys, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> My name is Ben and I'm here to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to say school of rap. Right. In a right. major way. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, just kind of using more syncopation and also like not just rhyming the end of one line with the end of another. There might be like an, int- he does this a lot. He does internal rhyme schemes, you know, or like yeah. slant rhymes that aren't exact rhymes. Sure. Is that a Nas thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, Rakim was probably the first guy to really do that. Um, consi- I mean, it's always hard to say who did what first, but yeah. I mean, Nas is certainly building up what Rakim did and and maybe what some other rappers like Cool G Rap, um, Big Daddy Kane, that were sort of, there was these guys maybe around 87, 88, that were kind of a little more technically adept and doing a little more complicated rhyme stuff. And then Nas comes out later. Um, the other thing with this is that it used to kind of be, a lot of times, like, say, like, NWA is a great example, or Dr. Yeah. Dre, like, like, it was always, like, Dr. Dre was a producer guy in the group, so he made all the beats, and that was pretty typical of that time period. Nas was the first time, which now is very common, where, like, they get different, like, a Drake, say, might get different, you know, you know, Take Heath or, like, whatever, like, get top producers from a number, get beats from a bunch of top guys, right? Nas was the first time I really remember that happening because he got some of the beats are large professor who was a huge producer dj premier from gangstar uh pete rock um which were probably like the three top producers q-tip from tribe called quest another guy named les hmm. so it was kind of this like he had basically had come out on a, a main source song which was uh live at the barbecue and he just had one of these sort of scene stealing verses it was like it starts out he kills jesus and like he's like like, <laughs> verbal assassin my architect pleases when i was 12 i went to hell for snuffing jesus and that like goes from there it was just one of those verses where everyone's like who is this kid yeah and then i think he did some radio stuff and, and yeah illmatic things. was recorded when he was 20 i guess yeah he's super young he's a super yeah. young guy yeah yeah that's crazy I mean, so i think mean, just you know it just it seems very seems very self-assured a for his age b for like being his first album he just kind of was one of the first i mean a lot of rap albums of that era were kind of spotty okay you know, they were clearly built over a few songs where, you know, this was pretty front to back. Like every song's pretty quality. Yeah, for sure. There's a couple that we can get into that I think I'm less crazy about than others. But I think overall, like just before we dive into specifics, I think like like the verses are all fantastic. I think he's fantastic. There's some of it where it's like the repetition will get me for like the chorus. Like I, you know, there's some tracks where it's like, I just, oh, I can't have this anymore. It's like, like life's a bitch no or, life's a bitch actually i like a lot a but even one. then then yeah. like the chorus is it life's a bitch a, and then you die. that's az yeah okay he's, I he's the only other bit. not nas rapper 
He and, was close to Nas. He named Az. Yeah. What? What's his story? Because he's um, actually my favorite voice on the album. Yeah, he's he a great such. voice. He's yeah, great. Can, he had a, he, his debut album is called Do or Die, and it's a great album. It came out a, maybe a couple of years later. Okay. Az is amazing. Yeah. Hey Jason, just to put you on the spot. We we're trying to charge your computer. You want to play uh, from Life's a Bitch? And play a clip from that there? Of course I want to play from Life's a Bitch. Oh, by the way, heads up. Normally, Minmax is very family-friendly. This is going to be the opposite of that. And we've been having a clean ship up until this point, but now we're uh, we'll pull, we're pulling into yeah. the New York Harbor, ladies and gentlemen, so buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Life's a Bitch here, 18 seconds in. Those beats so. Visualizing the realism of life and actuality. Fuck who's the baddest? The person's status depends on salary. And my mentality is money orientated. I'm destined to live the dream for all my peeps who never made it. Cause shit, we were beginners in the hood as five percenters. But something must have got in us. Cause all of us turn to sinners. Now some resting in peace and some are sitting in San Quentin. Others such as myself are trying to carry on tradition. Keeping this rough progressive street ghetto essence inside us. Cause it provides us with the proper insight to guide us. Even though we know somehow we all gotta go. But as long as we leave and even we'll be leaving with some kind of dose. So into that day we expire and turn the vapors. Me and my capers are be somewhere stacking plenty That's the crazy papers. thing is like, Keeping I mean, this is his debut album. Stick around for that part. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you've seen uh, Cars 3, Helgeson, the film. Is that? I think I have, yeah. In Cars 3, a Lightning McQueen says, life's a beach and then you drive. He literally ah, says, a "Nice, nice." Here's <laughs> Nas fan, um, but I was just—I was struck that, like, really, it's basically. I mean, the first song is just kind of an introductory song. It actually—it's funny how it reminds me of like the first song of the Far Piece. Like, oh, it's more just people talking. Oh yeah, that, that kind of—it's sort of like a skit kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you hear like the train and all that stuff mm-hmm. in the background. But then, like, it's the second real song on the album. He has a you know a guest on. Yeah, where I think it's yeah. kind of like speaks to, especially when it gets to later in the album of just like trying to get more voices in. Which is like, hey, I have this yeah. whole community that wants yeah. a microphone. Let's go. You and it know? would definitely like just to put it in perspective, like it wasn't like when sometimes like there's a big thing where it's like you know two famous rappers get together. Yeah, like Az was way less famous than Nas. Like no one knew who oh, the hell really? Az was. Yeah, they, huh. they're just like friends. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. was like after that verse, everyone's like, wow, who is this guy? And then he got signed and he put out a record. Oh, but it nice. wasn't like it wasn't trying to add like star power to the record. It was like right, he was way right. unknown. So. It was yeah. more of like, I think they were just close and like they both kind of rhymed in similar ways. You know what I mean? Right, right. So you want to jump to Memory Lane there, Jason? Yeah, uh, the clip one. there, just in terms of like, I think the rhyme structure, which you're going to be much more articulate about talking about. But this is just one of those little beats was like, God, just the rhythm there feels so unique. This one's real jazzy too. I don't know what the sample yeah. is. Yeah. One time for your mind, uh, that clip there, just for another example of the structure here. I mean, here's a dumb question, Helgeson. How much, I mean, do you look into like the, I don't want to say science, but like the structure of rhyme? Is that like a big part of understanding hip hop is understanding how this rhyme structure is different from? Yeah, I mean, to a degree, I think definitely like the cadence and, um, you know, he's just very fluid. You know what I mean? It's very fluid. Like he's not, he's not stuck on like one kind of rhythm a way he says stuff and and like from line to line he's kind of doing different syncopation it's just you know it's 
it sounds pretty smooth when he does it, so it's kind of almost deceptive unless you really pay attention. But it's it's like he's cramming a lot of words into these lines, and it sounds fairly effortless to me. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, yeah. Okay, here's one time for your mind. When I was ten, I was a hip hop and shorty wop. Known for rocking microphones and twisting off a forty top. Yeah. One time for your mom, one time. Yeah, whatever. One time for your mom, one time. It sound clever. Hey, yo, nah, fuck that, man. That shit was bad. But kick that for them gangsters, man. Fuck all that, man. Right, right. What up, niggas? How y'all is nasty, the villain. But I love like the uh. I like the intro, like we talked about the Genesis here, like the opening track. Oh, it's all kind of set up. Which is like, oh, I'm sick of that stuff on the radio. Video, like what do you got going on here uh and then new york's state of mind is just like that strong beat out of the gate yeah. if you want to play like the first first bit of new york state of mind there i mean yeah that beat is very iconic yeah i mean this almost kind of became like a term for a certain type of rap like yeah. boom bap Oh really? Yeah. Boom. This is where Bat came from. I mean, just his style. You know what right. I'm saying? Like that style of drums. Don't make it back. And that kind of crawling baseline. That always gets me. It's so fucking smooth. It's so sick. Is this the biggest hit from the album? Um, probably this. Or maybe this. The world is yours. Oh really? Yeah. It wasn't a super like smash hit. It was more of like. It sold pretty well, but it wasn't like a huge hit. It was more like people just. It had a lot of like critical acclaim, and I think it, it lasted a long time. You know what I mean? Okay. More than it was like. It certainly wasn't like a multi-platinum record. I think it, I looked at it. It just finally went double platinum in 2019. So yeah, and I think it took like maybe like eight, ten years to go platinum. World of yours? I don't think it aged that well. It's just one of those things. Like ah, it's just too repetitive. Like What's again, that? the world is yours. Oh really? It's, oh wow! Yeah, that's like. That's probably considered like I think people consider that like a, a classic song. Oh really? All, all right, let's yeah. take a listen. You want to like do you have that, Jason? Maybe you can pull it up on YouTube there. Maybe jump to like one forty three in there. But the yeah, there's certain, yeah, there was just, yeah. I don't know. Like there were certain lines like on, on New York City of Mind, like for some reason that line like I never sleep because sleep is the cousin of death. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like Hard it was such line. a weird kind of like poetic line in this whole thing. Like and it was like wow, that's like a weird thing to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was a big line. That line was big. It's like this jazz piano kind of like, yeah. Is it like the chorus you don't like as much? It is. Yeah. 100%. That, that's all my complaints about this album are just the chorus. Yeah. Yeah. I, guess, I mean, then it, you know, hey, that's maybe like certain styles at the time. You know, that wasn't yeah. like an uncommon thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think like One Love is the worst example of that. Like, we don't need to play a clip because I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Love, that's another one where it's like the chorus is just, it's too much. That's, I think it's, uh, that's it's kinda... Q-Tip produced this. Is that uh, right? Yeah. From Maybe you should Tribe, play it. Tribe play that clip just to give an example of like just how great the verses can be. And then when it gets into the chorus, it's like, I just don't think it's aged quite as well. Yeah. But, I mean, I. I, you know, honestly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dispute that he's maybe not the greatest chorus guy. Okay. You know, I mean. So stay civilized, time flies, no incarcerating your mind dies. I hate it when your mom's drops. It kind of makes me want to murder. For real, I even got a mask and gloves. Kind of much jazz samples is on this record. I haven't heard it for a while. That's Q-Tip's voice. Okay. Just a lot of How many you love? 
Alright, we got it. We got one love. We got it. We got it. One love. One love. There's a lot of that. Uh, Represent was one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, if you want to play a clip, like even just in the opening sections, not only because the background uh, music kind of reminds me of music from Minecraft, but uh, <laughs> I think oh, that's wow. one of the strongest Damn. here. Listen, I, I swear. This... Straight up shit is real and any day could be your last in the jungle. Get murdered on the home. Oh, that's a great beat. I love that beat. Yeah. So good. This is the hot spot full of mad criminals who don't care. Nuzzle and bears. We all see. Did you see the rain falling in Minecraft? I, I, I think that's like a, fend, a sample of like a Fender Rhodes, like electric piano. Yeah, yeah. Like it does sound like that, doesn't it? And this is one where like three minutes in, he's just like giving shout outs to everybody and everybody's story that he can possibly squeeze in maybe jump to like 110 there just for uh ill Ill will gets a lot of ill will is very missed yeah he gets mentioned a lot they call me now I'm not your legal type of fella my wet drinking marijuana smoking street dweller who's always on the corner rolling up when I dress is never nothing less than guess Kobe walking with a bop in my hat turned back love committing sins in my friend's cell crack this nigga raps with a I think that might be my favorite track on the album wow that's that's cool I mean it's a great song okay it's definitely not probably like a common pick though but that's see that's interesting because you don't have like you know the yeah the preconception. Although but I feel like the, the I've definitely seen New York State of Mind and World is Yours were and probably Life's a Bitch and uh Memory Lane were probably considered. Oh like wait, the, Memory Lane, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. What it ain't hard to tell. I think that's a great one. An awesome way to close out. It's just like this definitive take of like yep. remember my name. But right. this thing is like I think it, also halftime is the only one that might I think that was maybe on a soundtrack prior to the album. Oh really? Yeah, if that sounds a little different. Yeah, but. fun fact, Jason, uh, the song Halftime is halfway through the album exactly, so. Uh, yeah. They're really having fun. changing. <laughs> but yeah. it ain't hard to tell. Maybe I'm just I'm a sucker for Michael Jackson. Like, Michael Jackson was really important to me growing up, but yeah. he samples well, it, human nature yep, in here. Yep. But, so jump to it, yeah. That's a nice sample. It's And the weird two things like it's not like it's not that old at the time. Yeah, be sampling it's like really like you know what is it, like six seven years ago. You know, it'd be like no 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 wait ten years ago nine eleven years ago. So it'd be like a great rap song sampling like Viva La Vida by Coldplay. Yeah, exactly like that. It's exactly like that. Yeah, I mean, unquestionably great. It's like it's the classic question of like, how often do you think I'm going to listen to this going forward? It's like if I if I'm in the mood for rap, I would actually put the put on yeah, this album again. But you're probably not in the mood for it that much. Here's a weird thing, a very specific weird thing. I love listening to James Brown, but then also like uh, hip hop when I'm playing ping pong. <laughs> like I love okay what like uh, there's a ping pong table in the in, oh, uh, I had to rearrange it a little bit for the Minmax uh, studio <laughs> arrangement here. But like specifically, it's like. I would always like my friend Jesse. I think you might know Jesse I've a little met bit. Jesse. Yeah. But uh, every time we play ping pong, I'd be like, hey, Jesse, just come play ping pong and bring a couple uh, just rap albums that you can play. Because there's <laughs> something about, I just it's connected to my mind. And so you'd always play like Juicy J or some shit. Oh, it's nice. like, that's yeah, always yeah. just the way to go. And so it's so connected uh, in my mind. Does it actually help you play better? Or 100%. Just more comfortable? <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm the greatest ping pong player you've ever seen in your life. I think it's, just, it's, a, it's kind of amazing to me that like you play ping pong enough to like have preferences. For your ping pong music. I track my progress. God, what, did I, what did I listen to like seven years ago when I played ping pong the last time? Actually, you know what? I really, I honestly, dude, I, was, I just played ping pong. Did you really? I was out in Portland and we went to a ping pong bar. That oh. sounds like. Yeah, it was sweet. Yeah, like you just, you just like rented a table by the hour and yeah, they had yeah. beer and everything. It was sweet. Anyway. Uh, Helgeson, tell me if I'm thinking too much about this. 
But like the part that I really am into is comparing the two albums, right? So okay. what, yeah, what yeah. similarities do they have, stuff like that. Uh, it's very high level, but I had this epiphany while I was cooking lunch today. And I was like, you know what? Love, Power, and Peace. It's a little bit like all in all, it's about love, power, and peace. You know, peace, they just wanted to throw in there. Marketing, it's the early 70s, you know. Sure. And I was like, love, power, peace is about love, power, peace. And Illmatic is just about power. Like, if you strip out all the other ones, it's about people that don't have it, people that want it. It's also, if you want to keep going with the comparisons too, it's like so many lines in Illmatic are about, we've got the money, we've got the presidents, we've got yeah. these, well, this money goes to this people, these money goes to these people, and then thinking about a love, power, peace when it's like screaming about money and the crowd's losing yeah, their mind. Yeah, I think there's a sort of more subtle way to interpret like the, the dead presidents line. Yeah. Because it's like, the way it happens in the song, in The World Is Yours, like, I'm out for presidents to represent me, I'm out for presidents to, and then the right, last right. time he goes, I'm out for dead presidents, like, sort of acknowledging that like, he doesn't ever believe the political representation will happen. So he's just going to like. Do you think it's that or is it just dead presidents are worth more money on the currency? I, no. That's how I read it was like only dead presidents appear on money, right? Well, I, I mean that like he doesn't think a president will ever actually represent him. Is there so a possibility gonna, that he means both things? <laughs> he's going to get money instead in the interim. Okay. You know Interesting. what I mean? Like yeah, that's, yeah. that's how I would have all interpreted it. Because he makes a big point of adding dead presents the last time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I think to me, he's thoughtful enough with his words that I don't think he does things just uh, unintentionally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, but, let's let's keep analyzing some lines here because I'm into this. So, like, you mentioned that he got on the scene for saying he was going to kill Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he has a line in halftime, which is, because when, when it's my time to go, I wait for God with the 4-4. <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh my god he's I mean, from Jesus up to God and he's going to kill him with a 44 the certain amount of stuff just sounds cool too I think oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and there's a certain level of like I, I like this album too because it's it's more about telling the stories of his neighborhood yeah. and less about I'm the greatest but it's just every once in a while there's those lines yeah. about what are you know, hey, I'm a rap god, by the way. But anyways, mm-hmm. moving on. And definitely yeah. closing on that note and he has with some the of those lines song. like the, that one the shorty doo-wop like that kid that's like kind of like a little gangster kid and he's almost kind of feels like he's thrown off by how young this kid is. Yeah, he's yeah. He's like talking about guns and stuff. And like, he was like, he's only 12 and he told me that he liked my style. Stuff like that. It's kind of like, he has these weird little like moments that are kind of more melancholy, I think, that he throws in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the music sometimes has a very jazzy, almost kind of like, I don't know, nostalgic kind of vibe. Right. Speaking um, of uh, relaxing here, what do you think about this when he says, a two-day stay, you may say, I need the time alone to relax my dome, no phone, Left the nine at home. I like that this album released in 1984. He's like, I need to relax my mind. I'm going to disconnect from my phone. It's like, yeah, yeah. So you're not tempted just to (laughs) dial a number? I mean, not even. It's impressive. It just said he was like had a cell phone back then too. (laughs) That was that was no small matter. You know what I mean? Like Uh, also in memory lane. Tell me what you make of this. He says, uh, "Yo, fuck, rap is real. Watch the herb stand still. Never talking to snakes because the words a man kill." True in the game, as long as blood is blue in my vein. Do you take that to mean that he believes that that old wives' tale idea of like that blood is blue when it's inside your veins, oh. or is he intentionally playing on that idea, saying that he's not as true in the game? Oh, I don't know. Hmm. I think I think he means like I think he means like he's a blue blood, like in the in the sense of like that old phrase. Oh, interesting. You blue know, like blood blue meaning. blood meaning like old like rich people. Right, oh. right. Like that's kind of like a classic. Like blue bloods are like sort of like. Like the Gettys, like old money 
Yeah, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, right, uh, like right. the Hiltons, like okay. Paris Hilton. You know what I mean? Kind of like that old school. So like, he's, he's sort of like uh, conflating the game with money with yeah, like his. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I have sure, a feeling there's some layers going on. <laughs> I don't want to jump the gun here. <laughs> I mean, like layers as in when he says, you're still a soldier. I'm like Sly Stone and Cobra. Yeah. Very timely reference. <laughs> very <laughs> good. Yeah. Very good. That's a great movie. <laughs> Speaking of great movies, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're talking about like the overlap too between the two albums. Like it's weird. There's a very obvious thing where at some point Nas actually sampled James Brown mm-hmm. uh, for, let's see if I can find this album out of the song. I don't remember if you remember. So it's for uh, uh, 2002's Get Down, it's called. He samples James Brown's oh, The yep. Boss. That's a good song. Yeah. If you I mean, so look for nice uh, Get Down. There. You can't really, you know, overstate how much James Brown was sampled back yeah. in those days. I mean, it really was like. To go to. Yeah. I mean, like, there's, if you go to like, there's a great site called whosampled.com. Oh, that's, that's what I was going to use. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, a great, that's awesome. I mean, like, just search James Brown sucks. And like, I, I wouldn't doubt if, you know, give it up and turn it loose. Mm-hmm. 50 songs. Up it here, wouldn't yeah. shock me. Right, I mean, right. like, it was. So common. Right. Here's uh, Get Down by Nasir Jones. Get, get, get down. Oh, oh, that guitar is so good. And that bass and oh. drum hits so fast. Oh, what is that? That's the... Oh. The young boys admiration. Prince from Queens and Fritz from Harlem. Street legends that kept the hood from starving. Pushing cars, Nicky Bars was the seven. But then the other weird thing about just the connecting tissue is thinking about just the generations of how this mm-hmm. stuff is going through culture. And it seems yeah. like it's bizarre because both artists overlap in a weird way where in Illmatic he talks about how much he loved Jackson 5 growing up. Yep. at a certain point and oh, so yeah. Michael Jackson is like the perfect <laughs> middle ground because Michael Jackson was so clearly influenced by James Brown they even yep. like there's fun clips of them like dancing on stage I love, together such a great it's like when I was young I was a fan of the Jackson 5 it's <laughs> yeah. kind of just like little like very like matter of fact little aside of yeah. this whole thing yeah exactly but, but there's just, also like that last song reminded me there's a lot of like weird street stuff that he talks about too like in that last song he was just talking about but like there's one song like Fiend Scream about Supreme Team a Jamaica Queens thing and like Supreme Team was like it was like Elpo and Rich Porter, I think. But they were like the crack kingpins. I mean, basically like the, the movie New Jack City is like loosely based on the Supreme team. Yeah. Like they had a city block, I think, basically that they just like locked down for like drug. You know, so there's a lot of weird references to like actual street dudes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And stuff like that. And like yeah. Stuff that I think probably only people in like New York like really know. Yeah. So it's weird. It's know? weird thinking about like the comparison too about just what they're all trying to accomplish. And James Brown is so much more obviously about showmanship and just frankly more about bullshit. You know what I mean? Where right. He's, he's more interested in myth making and making this vibe of I'm a sex machine. I'm a god. I can't go on with this performance. Please put the cape on me and haul me off stage. Whereas like it seems like Nas is much more about, hey, we need to tell some real stories with flavors of, by the way, I'm also a sex guy, but it's like relatively subtle throughout this entire right. album too, yeah. but it's like, it's weird that both are just coming with this full force, but one is bullshit and one is, you need to learn this truth from my community. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Is that part of the form that maybe like hip hop and rap is, was at the time seen as more of like an aggressive or like, I guess the stigma around rap when it really hit its peak in the 90s was that it was like it was an incitement to violence, that it was a mm-hmm. rebe- rebellion against authority, et cetera. Do you think that just those themes work better in rap and hip hop format than it does necessarily in like R&B and soul? 
or is it just like two or is it the time? Goals? Yeah, I, I think probably the time, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know how much you keep up with. I mean, realistically, like, dude, like, I mean, some of those old soul singers, like those guys carried guns. Oh, James Brown shot were, several people. Yeah, they were yeah. Documented. Like, <laughs> it's documented. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't talk about it because I think they had to be more kind of like friendly to like right. whatever the entertainment industry at that time. But like, those guys were not to be fucked with. Well, that's yeah. you know uh, what I mean. Like, I, like, like, try to stiff James Brown after a show. You know what I mean? And <laughs> you'd probably find out real soon that like, yeah. he might be more gangster than Nas. Like in real life, you know yeah. what I mean? And everything I've read about James Brown is he might not be the most. <laughs> snuggly dude in the good, world. He I super mean, sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that well, reminds yeah, me of I mean, uh, the Nina Simone story. Did you ever hear? Like she was interviewed about um, if she had never been paid for a job, and she said, "Well, of course, there was one time that I that I uh, had to confront a guy who wouldn't pay me, uh, some record label, and he wouldn't pay me, and I approached him in a restaurant, and I pulled out a gun and I shot him. And, I, and she <laughs> just she was a badass. Nina Simone's like, a badass. You yeah. shot it, like, did, really? but you know, and in fairness, like, course, though, yes. like I mean, they they dealt with. I mean, you know, I it. Just to step in, I mean, like, I don't think any of us can comprehend the world that James Brown had to navigate. Oh, yeah. The oh, world yeah. that Nina Simone That's had to navigate. You know here. what I mean? Like, they, like, I, you know, they, however they turned out to be, if they were hard people or whatever, like, you know what I mean? They were born in like the 1920s in the South. I mean, and, James like, Brown, know, yeah, he was raised uh, at a yeah, I mean, sex so, shop. I mean, and was abused. Yeah. I mean, he has and a just, horrific And just childhood. the institutional racism and everything. I mean, so like, you know, they were... I'd hate to come off as like, you know, yeah, judgmental of what they went through because like, you know, we'll never even experience one one hundredth of what they went through. Right. So, you know, but I mean, yeah, I mean, James, you know, I think, I think, I don't know. I think there's different, you know, approaches. I mean, he's, he, I don't think lyrics are like super important to him. I think like, yeah. you know, vocals are kind of more a part of the music where he's like, Nas is obviously like hyper you know, that's really what it was a vehicle for. I mean, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you know, whereas like, I think James kind of just sees it as more like a it's portion of a live it's show. It's percussion. You know? yeah. 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 I mean, in a sense kind of is, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially the later stuff, like, you know, where it's really just like chanting and kind of interjections and things like that. Mm-hmm. Right. What to, what's uh, NASA's path? I mean, has he not released an album in a while or what's he up um, to now? He released an album, was it last year? Him and Kanye, Kanye did a record for him. It might have been last year or the year before. Um, Kanye did like, he did a, his own, Pusha T, a couple other ones, the one with Kid Cudi. And they did a Nas album. He's like five ones in like one week. So now, I mean, he's generally put out stuff on a, um, I don't know, every other year, you know. And how's the arc? I mean, do people see him as uh, kind of washed up compared um, to what he was before? Well, I definitely think he probably chases like Illmatic's like sort of reputation in ways. Yeah. I actually think the next album, it, it Was Written, is pretty underrated. Um, and then he kind of maybe goes down a little bit. I think um, he kind of made a pretty good comeback with some albums like uh, Stillmatic and God's Son would be maybe the early to mid-2000s. Mm. Um, I mean, I... He's um he had one called Life Is Good that I thought was pretty good maybe like four or five years ago. Um, I'd say he's sort of settled into like a kind of medium groove. I mean, he's certainly not like super relevant in terms of like the top of the charts, but I think yeah. he has his fans, and I think that he goes mm-hmm. on tour and like you know people pay attention to what he's doing still. Okay, he's probably similar to like. He's not as popular probably commercially, but like Jay Z, where he's like he's sort of relevant, but he's not maybe like. The, obviously the newest hottest thing or anything right, like that right. but um i think he's had a good career you know what i mean he's he's had ups and downs but um you know i think he's always like he's a really good rhymer and he's really talented um he, i think apparently he's made i don't know what he invested in but 
I've read that he's like extremely wealthy based on like good business investments. Huh. And I don't remember what he invested in, but I think he's not. Uh, I don't think making money off records is a concern to him. Right. Based on like right. a bunch of other stuff that he's got going on. Gotcha. So he's had, uh, it looks like 10 total albums of which of course, Elmatic was his first. And the most recent is, uh, a self-titled Nasir in 2019, 2018. That was the oh, Kanye yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, in 2019, he was promoting that and his other, like his concert support or his uh, tour supporting it. Um, and in October with an, in an interview, sorry to get like super specific, but, uh, in an interview with Hot Living, he said like he was asked about how he views Illmatic today, which I think is like a really interesting angle for an interview to take promoting a new album. And he said that I don't, I don't want to celebrate another Illmatic anything. I'm done. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for appreciating that record, but it's over. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would, well, his, well I, there was a 2012 NPR interview with him oh, yeah? that I listened to. And he was talking about that. Just the idea of like, everybody wants me to make another Illmatic. Like, I think it's just bullshit to expect like these people in their forties or fifties to still be writing and pretending like they're just connected to the streets in this big way. Yep, so he's like, yep, I can't yep. just keep repeating the same themes. Like I need to talk about my family and what I'm feeling now, just mm-hmm. as strongly as I was feeling back then, you know? Right. Yeah. I think a lot of artists go through, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like I'm trying to pull out somebody totally opposite. Like, I think there's a certain amount of like metallic is always kind of held up to like those first few albums. Right, you know what I mean? Right. Or like uh, any number of bands. I think that kind of happens, you know? Yeah. And I, I'm sure he's probably tired of, it's definitely a specter over his career. I think that like there is sort of perception. He maybe never quite lived up to that album again, mm. you know, for, for some people, even though I think he's done a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Um, and like you were saying, Serial even sounded like he preferred other things. Yeah. Like, yeah. Cause you know, Serial's that younger than me. So he probably was like his first album might've been like, you know, Stillmatic or Godson or something like that. Right. Um, we're to so. get into Stillmatic. Like, what's that title referencing? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah. See, it's like, <laughs> sequel, but see, yeah. even that, like, he he says he doesn't, but he kind of, you know, references it on his own thing. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But, uh, so, anyway, but I, I it, this has been interesting. I'm glad, I'm glad we did this. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we have some community questions that people submitted on patreon.com slash next two ends. squirtingly do. Oh, uh, my gosh. So if you're if you're listening to this and you want us to read your question on air, uh, you can support us at any tier, and then we have a post every uh, every other week when the podcast goes live, and we say please give us good things to talk about. Absolutely, and also uh, drop your favorite song or just a song you think we should listen to. Yeah, um, we I really loved combing through some of the suggestions, uh, and there'll be some special stuff coming around those. Um, I guess at a later nice. date as we as we figure out programming. Yeah. Uh, the first question that I've picked comes from Greg, quote unquote, Flamin' Queso. Ah, uh, Queso famili- himself. These, uh, these names are going to be familiar to Ben probably. Uh, hey, howdy. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of a rapper himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Music loving cohorts. Uh, tell us about yourselves. What's your favorite album and song of all time? And how old were you when that became your favorite? Oh my God. I... So this is like first favorite album. Is that kind it, of the twist? I, the question that I read was like, hey... You heard an album, it stuck with you, and it became your favorite around what age? Yeah. Like, hmm. does songs in the key of Springfield count? <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that was huge for me. It but... counts if, if you tell us when you when you fell in love with it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would have been, I bet it was like 97, because the disc looked like a donut. When you were 40. That's right. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, it would have been 10 years old, right? Because I remember it was like, my, for the first albums I bought... It was Songs in the Key of Springfield and the Lost World soundtrack. Ah. So it's a nice timestamp to those, probably 97. Nice. Mm. But that's not a cool answer. Yeah, I don't it's know. the true answer. We're I mean, I, the truth I, here, I, mean I don't remember. It's not really a specific year, but just like I think at a certain age, like you, you, whatever your parents kind of listen to a lot is sort of like just the, the 
world that you live in. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm I mean, talking very young. You know what I mean? And so I think Creedence Clearwater Revival's greatest hits, the Chronicle uh, album that has all like it has all their big hits. You know, Green River and mm-hmm. Run Through the Jungle and all that stuff. But I just remember like my dad was a huge CCR fan, so like oh, okay. I just kind of remember that being sort of like you know before I was really into like the idea of having my own music or you know right, what I mean that right. kind of thing. I, mm-hmm. I, but I still they're but they're also like I totally. They're great. You know what I mean? Like I, that music holds up super well. But yeah. then probably like Kenny Rogers' greatest hits, like The Gambler, <laughs> stuff like that. My oh, mom yeah. was a big fan. But oh, wow. Anyway. Uh, great. Uh, Holden Hints asks, if you could give your top five rappers each, that would be helpful to understanding your previous connection to rap music after discussing Nas. Jesus. Yeah, five. Top five. You want me to name five of them? Mm. Uh, I guess this question Damn. is just for Matt. Yeah, Lin Manuel yeah. Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> He's classic, man. Um, I guess it doesn't need to gosh. be in the order. I'm no, no, it's t- I can't. I'm not I feel like you already listed gonna, so many. I'm not going to order them because it's just like I don't yeah. feel like ordering them. Nah, it's definitely in there. Jeez, um, <sighs> five is tough. Andre three thousand. Oh, Wild interesting. Cast. Um, God dang, Biggie. <laughs> Biggie and Jay, I feel like I got to put Jay Z and Biggie in there, and then oh man, this last one's tough. I want to say Cool G Rap. I want to say Big Daddy Kane. I want to say like Kendrick. I want to say, and then any oh man, Genius. Ugh, that's tough. That is really tough. You know what? Actually, my last one, I'm gonna go with Ice Cube. Huh? I do know that name. Yep, yep. that's one that I recognize. Yep. But that's tough. Uh, Chris Logan asks, it's my opinion that Jaws has the most iconic movie poster of all time. Oh. Uh, saying that, uh, and asks. From Nas is that, to Is Jaws. that just like a what, fact or that's what? That's just off the cuff. Uh, <laughs> what would you say is the album cover equivalent of that? Um, Vertigo, forget about it. <laughs> uh, so what's the most iconic album art of all time? And oh, I love this idea for a podcast. Look forward to listening. Hmm. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. I have a, I mean, it's not my favorite, but I, to me, I, I think there's one that's, as far as iconic, if you want to say iconic, to me, Abbey Road by the Beatles. Oh, yeah. Because okay. I think people like, dude, there's somebody right effing now <laughs> in London that's staging that But how many shot. albums have like, this is the physical, you could put a GPS point yeah. for yeah. That's what you I'm know, saying, like, though. Yeah. But I just I just feel like, to me, like, you know, like I remember, I think the Simpsons spoofed that once. Like, I've yeah. seen a ton of like cartoon, you know, it's like, it's just, I've seen other rock bands do that. I've seen just normal people like on vacation. I, I don't know. To me, that's that's hard to top. I mean, there's yeah. probably some other ones. I, was, but. I, was, I mean, Thriller's got to be up there, right? Thriller's it's up there. simple, but just the good yeah. leaning back, yeah. relaxed pose. The really soft focus. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's up there. Oh, you know another, maybe like Dark Side of the Moon. Oh. That that Ooh. pyramid thing. Yeah. That, that weird every, like yeah, prism everywhere. pyramid Honestly, thing. Honestly, okay. Total history of college dorm rooms. Mm-hmm. More posters <laughs> of Dark Side of the Moon or Abbey Road? Probably Dark Side, Probably right? Probably Dark Side. Yeah, definitely Dark or, Side. Or Legend by Bob Barley and the Whalers, the greatest hits. That was always a big mm. one. Or Pulp Fiction soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going with the Pulp Fiction soundtrack. I want to see with dorm room. I, I, yeah, a, I mean, I don't know. For Dark Side, Dark Side might be a Dark Side. Dude, that's a, that's, that, that symbol. I mean, man, I think I could go to Target right now. Yeah. And buy a t shirt of Dark Side of the Moon. Yep. That, that, that prism thing is pretty. You might have, yeah, we might have turned around on that one. I think that's I don't have. Yeah. Honestly, I that that's takes it. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that might take Abbey Road. Okay, Dark oh. Side of the Moon, Pink Floyd. Uh, I dude, I went to Laser Pink Floyd. It was awesome. What? Laser Floyd. It's like a laser show that's t- set to Pink Floyd. 
Oh wait, did you instead say of you planetarium? Took your daughter to this? Yeah. Oh wow. Instead of planetarium, so they do like a laser show to Dark Side of the Moon. Is it's it all, this, all of Dark Side of the Moon or like? Yeah, the, the whole album. Wow. Know, That's entire, awesome. And then they do these like trippy like psychedelic lasers. It was it fun for your daughter? Like not yeah, she, really knowing the music, but it's like ah, hey, cool lights, kind of fun music, like. The lasers were cool, dude. Lasers oh, are cool. Man. Like everyone likes <laughs> hey, lasers. Don't come, come to me. Hey, I know lasers are cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, on your side, no, it was lasers. Sweet. It was sweet. It was at the it was at this like planetarium of like an elementary school in like St. Paul. Oh, sweet. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Did fun uh, time. Lasers are cool. That's the official. Lasers are sense. cool. You can just take that to the bank. <laughs> uh, King Prometheus says, uh, "Here, hey there, Mintrex. Uh, Hello." <laughs> I'll, I'll ask the only music question I've ever asked other people. Is there any album you really like every song on back to front? Not just, yes, I like this style and artist, but also I like this song more like every single song on this album is my jam and I could be stranded on an Island with just any one of them. So mm. yeah, nothing but bangers, no skips. Here, on okay. Album. The first album that comes to my mind. Now, look, this is not my cup of tea. hundred percent. I like it. Stamping. I like it. Borderline. Love it. But when I think consistently great album, I think of Boston's debut album. Like, <laughs> oh, that a is a yeah. strong album. Okay, strong. yeah. Boy, I um, Dark Side's pretty good. Probably Led Zeppelin Four. I mean, I think oh, okay. Led Zeppelin Four is just pretty. I like every song on that record. Yeah, and that's pretty tight. Um, I don't know. It's not something I think about a lot, I guess. Yeah. But, um, you got to start thinking about it. People are going to be asking yeah, I know, I know. Every week. <laughs> and you're going to get corrected. <laughs> the, <laughs> my, my biggest thing with this podcast is like my, my, uh, Achilles heel is like, I've always been like super uninterested in like ranking things or like deciding what oh, my favorite yeah, thing is. And like, I know that that's like in the dude. podcast world, that's like very big to like have like hot takes of like what's better. Cause I don't ever like, I always find it kind of weird or, or just not yeah. to, like, you know, like man, Slayer is so much better than Willie Nelson. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Listen, like, like, why man, is that? You described even... the whole point of this podcast. I know, I know, I know upcoming episode a... is going to be Slayer versus Willie Nelson. <laughs> Dude, let's do Rain and Blood versus Redheaded Stranger next week. Let's do it. Um, or no, I'll go phases and stages for William. All right, but yeah. Anyway, Love Slayer it. versus Willie Nelson. Uh, Dylan Drazik asks, with the increased availability of near infinite amount of music with streaming services, how do you see that affecting the immediate music industry and how do you see foresee the industry looking in 10 years? Uh, so with Oof. Spotify, Apple Music, everything else you can get music from, how is that changing how people consume it and how, like, what do you think it'll look like? Yeah. From now? How has it changed how you consume it, Helgeson? Um, I think that I'm weirdly... I feel like I know way less about what's going on in like popular music because it's so like, it's so easy just to like kind of go down your own rabbit hole with like playlists or just stuff you want to listen to, or you just can turn on like a certain artist radio. Like, you know, I used to feel like it was hard to avoid like stuff that was popular. Yeah. And now I feel like you could go your whole life and not like hear like Taylor Swift or something. If you didn't want to, like people don't listen to radio, mm-hmm. people, like music's just not pumped everywhere i mean or if it is it's usually kind of more like a coffee shop will have more of a mm-hmm. cool vibe thing going on you know i just don't feel like it, it's i don't think big artists are as big as like michael jackson was where it was like when michael jackson like you had to sort of know michael jackson or right. like even later right. like you had to like know like nirvana or like pearl jam or you now it's just like i feel like you can just kind of go in your own weird world mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. like i I am not smart when it comes to music. You've probably heard that, but like, you know, I just, I'm so into podcasts that over the last 
10 years, I mean, 15 years at this point, well, close. Uh, it's just been like, oh, I only want to listen to podcasts. And so I've cut out music so much from my diet and I know that's a bad mm, thing overall. Yeah. But there's so many situations where somebody will reference an artist and I'll be like, who is that? And they, they're like, oh, this song, you've heard this song. It's like, no, I haven't. And they don't believe it, but it, my rebuttal is always just, where would I have heard that? Like, I don't hang out yep. in coffee shops. Right. Like, in what universe would I be receiving that in my life? Like, I have this very specific silo where I sit in my basement and record podcasts about games and <laughs> listen mm -hmm. to podcasts about games. You it's very like, clear. You feel like it's made it easier for you to, like, keep your head in the sand then with what you already know? It's not like, a good or? thing, but I think so. Yeah, I think huh, I'm still yeah. stuck in that, oh, boy, I really like punk rock from 2004. <laughs> You know, it's or, like I can't get out yeah. of that, you know? Or sometimes, like, I actually end up listening to a lot of old stuff that just, like, used to be hard to find. Yeah. Like, there's always these things that was, like, I'm, like, a record collector and stuff, and I'd be like, oh, man, like, I always keep my eye out for that. Like, that's super rare. And now it's like, I can just go to YouTube. And, like, the rarest record in the world. Like, somebody's got a needle drop video of that. You know what I mean? Like, so that's yeah. kind of a weird thing for me because it used to be, like, there was these, like, holy grails. You know what I mean? And now it's like, I mean, you still would like them if you saw them in a store, but. I don't know if I'm gonna pay like 120 bucks for it either. You know what I mean? All but, right. And the third and the third thing is I think economically it's gonna be different. I just don't think you're gonna see. Well, like Dark Side of the Moon's a great example. You know, that record costs a ton of money to make. Like that was Abbey Road for like months and months and months. And I just don't think that artists are gonna get that kind of time budget because mm. people don't buy records. You know what I mean? So I think like the the popular music you see now is like, and there's kids. I, I guarantee there's kids making hit records. You know, I'm, I, I don't know what it is, but like SoundCloud, stuff like that. I mean, there's kids making money. I bet there's been hit records produced on GarageBand. Like, I guarantee there are. Or like yeah. Fruity Loops, like a cracked copy of like Fruity Loops. Like Old Town Road, right? Like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Old Town Yeah, no doubt. Like, that was just like a Nine Inch Nails sample. That's pretty much it. And then you just came up with a melody over it. And like, mm -hmm. and shit probably cost him like 100 bucks to make or something. You know, I don't even know. Yeah. But so I think that's just going to change things too. Yeah. Um, uh, another listener has another question. We're very related to that. I uh, figured we'd roll it in at the same time. Um, let me pull in there. James Smith says, hello, longtime listener, first time caller here. Do you think that, <laughs> do you think that uh, music reviews are obsolete now that music streaming is so prevalent and that we have near unlimited free access to any album at the tip of our fingers? Do no. you think that, no? Boo, James Smith. Smithy, I'm on to you. I mean, no, I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, you think about like, you know, Xbox Game Pass or something. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, we're, game reviews are relevant or movie reviews are relevant because of Netflix? Like, no, you still, just because you have the options and they're all a millisecond away doesn't mean you don't want to know what's at the top of that heap. Right? Yeah. Sure. I, I'd i say yes and no. I would say that I think that they're probably less valuable for like huge artists that have a ton of interest and it's already sort of an event. Like, does it matter, say, like if like I brought up Taylor Swift or Beyonce or Rihanna or like Drake or people of that level. Yeah. You know, people probably just go right to like hearing it. I think maybe like the benefit of criticism now would be like, you know, bringing up artists that you like, you can't listen to something if you don't know it exists. You know what I mean? Or you can't like sample it if you don't even know it exists or if somebody mm -hmm. doesn't make a sort of a case for like why this is interesting or something like that. So I would say maybe it, it's more valuable to like highlight things that are, you know, less known or, or, yeah. Or honestly, I, I've never, I don't know. I'm going back to video games too. I never really liked the whole like consumer guide thing too, because I think there ought to be like a value to like just writing about something above and beyond like, is this good or bad? Mm. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. sort of understanding it or trying to like, 
collect your thoughts about something above and beyond like, well, this is a, you know, which Game Informer did, but you know what I mean? Like a 725 or this is like an 875 or you know what I mean? Like right, I think there's right. a, should be a value to like writing about music and like trying to understand what makes it good mm-hmm. above and beyond just, you know, saying you should buy this or you should listen to this on Spotify or not. Right. right. right, right. It's like Ben was saying, at least to me in my perception, the like the whole concept of what gets the most attention, what's most popular is actually what's going to get clicks, what's going to like mm-hmm. drive revenue to these music reviewing sites and, and critics. Um, so I, whenever I see like, an album review from, I don't know, like pitchfork or paste or something that is of an artist I've never even heard of. And that like, I shouldn't have heard of and that you can see it's not going to get clicks. A little part of me like dies inside. Cause I know that that's not going to drive revenue from them. Eventually they're going to have to cut those like branches off of that tree before, like before they die yeah. trying to introduce two people to new music. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, final question. I recently, or sorry, Charles Davis says, uh, I recently watched the excellent Netflix, Netflix show. Christ. Uh, I am not okay with this. Are we Minflix now? Everybody's mentioning television shows. <laughs> we only know music from movies. Of yeah. course. Oh, did uh, you just coin another one? Minflix? <clears throat> don't do it. Don't do it. Got, <laughs> another podcast. <laughs> oh, oh no. my God. Uh, and the King of Rock and Roll by Prefab Sprout was used to great effect in it. As if oh. by magic, I was transported back Damn. to being a kid. Uh, is this an old person? Is Charles old? Because you know this song? And, and, well, thank and you, they Jason. Know this song. I don't know. I'm just trying to get a get a yes. on this person. Me and uh, me and Charles, we served in World War II together. <laughs> um, no, Prefet Sprouts, like they're, they're that's just like a deep cut. That's a deep cut. They were probably like a late mid to late '80s, early near to early '90s. I don't even know them that well. I mean, I know them a bit, but they're yeah. like an English band, very like kind of quirky pop. Good pull, Charles. Uh, the question is, what track takes you back to your childhood, or at least what was the last song that gave you that blast from the past feeling? Like, Man. is this, is this closely related to the first favorite album question? No, yeah, I think it's, like, well, I, I don't know. I think you see it as like before that, you know, cause I okay. think of like growing up in like rural Minnesota and especially with two older sisters that loved just Michael Jackson and country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like that. And the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack, just those three <laughs> concepts boiled into my brain. Um, I remember thinking as a, as a kid and you know, not a terrible idea. Remember the first time I thought this is my favorite song of all time was, Brooks and Dunn's My Maria. <laughs> oh, wow. And so every okay, time yeah. I hear that song, Great it's like, song. oh, I just think of like growing up on you the know, country that's road. that's kind of a jam. You know? let's, let's be honest. It's, <laughs> it's a good melody. It's a good song. melody. My Maria. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, Brooks and Dunn. Shout out to Brooks and Dunn. <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, that was not, I didn't think that was going to come up. I'm oh, glad. Yeah. I'm glad. Friends of the show. <laughs> yeah. We're just, I, I'm, I'm booking, but I think I can only get Brooks. Dunn is, <laughs> Dunn is busy. <laughs> What do you think, Algerson? Oh gosh, okay. I was I was just ripping on. <laughs> yeah, maybe some of that like country stuff, like bands like Alabama, things like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Or like, oh, God, Anne Murray, stuff like that. I mean, like my mom was really big into that sort of like, you know, pop country yeah. of the eighties, nineties kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. just out of a new one. This is very specific, and at about, you know, if you want to chisel into the core of my essence, this is number one with a bullet. But uh, my mom, when I was a dumb baby and a toddler and a Yesterday. dumb toddler. That's right. Um, she would sing me to sleep every night by singing Joni Mitchell's Circle Game. Which oh, is, that's a good song. Yeah. Oh, it's an incredible song. And especially like, I think it's really important because when I was like three hearing this song that has lyrics that are like metaphorical, I think it's really important of like cartwheels turn to car wheels in the town. Like that line, like really... Okay, don't do it. Honestly, don't do it. I will Ben's, cry. Ben's going to cry. Will, it, it, it is, Joni Mitchell's great. Yeah, I mean, she's it really is like the genius, number yeah. one song. Though. Like, even like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, watching that, they have a cover of Circle Game in it. Oh, really? 
tears. I mean, like I cannot Damn. hear that song without just thinking wow. of my mom and being three years old again. Like it is. Wow, that's cool. Ooh, it's that's, too deep. Yeah, that's, yeah. Unfortunately, we will not weaponize that information further. <laughs> yeah, thanks. That sounds fun. Uh, should we do a suggested song? Yeah, let's close it out with that. Yeah. So yeah. we also asked at the same time as we asked for our listener questions, we asked for your current favorite song or just a song you think we should listen to that you'd like to hear our opinion about. Uh, we don't, I don't think we're going to have time to play the whole song, but we have chosen uh, Rina Sawayama's STFU, exclamation point, uh, suggested by Lewis Kane. Thanks, Lewis Kane. Thank you, Lewis Kane. I will play a selection from it now. <laughs> what a weird song it is right like it starts yeah. out sounding like a tool song something like my yeah. well, that's what i was gonna say song. like it makes me feel older that i'm realizing there's kids now that we're like new metal is like a roots, Old metal. roots music for them you know what i mean like they're like deep cuts you know what i mean yeah. like like deftones or something like that it sounds um, like something from harmonix's drop mix where it's like it sounds oh, like yeah. it should be a pop song but they've just put this intense guitar yeah. underneath mm-hmm. it you know but somehow it switches it to the chorus it's just like yeah overall i like it more than i feel like i should like it yeah it is. <laughs> there's a reason i chose it for yeah. today's episode i really like yeah you song. went through all those songs i mean why did you did you know that song ahead of time i did not know that song i didn't okay. know this artist i listened to all these songs uh mm-hmm. and i put them in a spotify playlist which i'll leave a link to okay. as well yeah for, like, main max community picks uh so you can see what the rest of the community's chosen um but it stuck out as like this is a really like it's not one thing type song. It is clearly influenced by multiple different genres. Uh, Lewis uh, actually mentioned the uh, that in in recommending the song said um, it's really unique sound of bubblegummy pop mixed with two thousands metal. And he's had yep. it stuck in his head since yep. since he first heard it. And that's what like it screams Limp Bizkit to me. At least. Yeah, it totally, screams like totally. way more recent and like also Static X. Who could forget the great <laughs> Static X? <laughs> uh, Drowning Pool. We'll just name off. We're just going to name, like, Anger Management yeah, 2003. And also, like, the intro to that song, which I didn't play, it just plays that riff, mm-hmm. like, a few times, a few measures, just slaps really hard. I was listening to it. I, I have a Honda Fit 2016 with, like, a really crappy sound system in it, but I had it maxed all the way up <laughs> on, on my way here just because it, it hits that And hard. what's the name one more time? The song is STFU by Rina Sawayama. It's a song from 2019. Yeah. There See, go. I wonder, this t- ties back to streamings. I, I kind of feel like I get the sense that, like, genre is, is way more fluid. Mm. now because i think you know i just think kids like kind of grew up in an environment where like it's so easy to switch between different you know channels mm-hmm. stylistically so to speak not like radio channels but you know what i mean like so i kind of wonder if we was hear a lot more music where it's like to me that sounds very like that jar kind of jarring you know yeah. just, i was it's, just like whoa that's that's not where i expected that to go you yeah, know what I mean? but yeah. to them it might just I, I imagine it just seems more natural you know what i mean yeah, right I, right you know what it reminded me of and i'll try to leave on this note is listen to k-pop if that sticks in your mind because that's very much like that that's something i've never really that vibe. This, yeah i don't know who's who i know bts is a big deal but that's about it somebody Good. we need a future min tracks guest that's really into k-pop really Ooh, yeah ava from glitch loves Ooh. k-pop that'd be oh, a good she does? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah all right we'll make her listen to brooks and dunn <laughs> 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 You want to give us that classic out, Matt? <laughs> Brooks and Dunn? <laughs> no, no, close the podcast. We are Brooks and... Oh, right. Well, thank you for listening to Mintrax. This has been a lot of fun. We appreciate you listening. Um, thanks to Ben. Thanks to Jason. And uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Yeah. 
It works for me. Do you have outro music, by the way? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs>